Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Equality in Business podcast, our podcast to create awareness about equality in the business world by actively engaging students about relevant topics in a professional manner. My name is Dina. I'm a master student at Catholica Business School in Lisbon and the founder of our Equality in Business student organization. I'm especially excited for our guests today. I have the pleasure to be speaking with Mark and John, the founders of John's Crazy Socks. There's a special story behind their company. John's Crazy Socks is a social enterprise founded by a father and his son, Mark and John. And the inspiration for this company comes actually from John, a young man um, with Down syndrome. John's Crazy Socks has an important mission. It is to spread happiness. What exactly that means, what they impact and what we can learn about disabilities in the workplace will be the topic for the next half an hour. A very warm welcome and thank you very much for joining us today from New York. Well, we are glad to be here, right, John? Absolutely, Dad. <laughs> Do you guys actually know um, how we got aware of you? No. no. So there is um, a pretty important research center in Portugal at Católica Lisbon, at our university, um, that is the Center for Responsible Business and Leadership. So they, um, they educate students and they educate executives as well to make sure um, the future business world is more inclusive, more responsible, includes a purpose uh, within the company structure. Um, and they have recently published a paper about purpose-driven businesses. And there were two or three businesses highlighted around the globe that um, were able to combine purpose and profit, so to incorporate Uh, the purpose into the entire company strategy um, so you can make money of it so you're sustainable you can survive but on the other hand you survive for a bigger purpose um, and this is where John's crazy sex was highlighted so when I read the paper I was like this is excellent like we need to get in touch with these people and we were so happy when you reacted so quickly and so positively well you know this all makes us feel pretty good is there Is it possible for you to send us a, a link to or a copy of that paper? Of course, yeah, more than happy to. But, uh, you know, we're, we are incredibly fortunate. Um, and we've been given a lot of opportunities. But that also creates an obligation for us to go out and spread the word about what people with different abilities can do but also about the business model we have. We call it a social enterprise. And, and you summed it up nicely talking about that paper. We have both a social mission and a business mission, and they feed off each other, right? It's not, you can't have a mission where all you want to do is make money. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, we say this all the time. We want to make money. We, we like to live indoors. You got to pay the rent. Um, <laughs> but that's not enough. And, and it's not sustainable. Um, when you have a larger purpose, when you have a why, that's sustainable and can propel you in the, for the long run and also connect you with more people. Right, bud? Right, Dad. And this is, this is exactly what this Center for Responsible Business and Leadership, like this is exactly their, 
um, their statement, their perspective on it. So I think this is also why they highlighted you as a company and an organization, because um, they they realize that you have exactly that right mindset. Um, and I think seeing um, you from from New York being uh, placed in a Portuguese uh, research uh, article, this is this is pretty impressive. Is our, <laughs> we are constantly amazed. <laughs> you know because. You know, John, John and I, we're, we're just a couple of knuckleheads here on Long Island. <laughs> right. And to have to think that somebody in Portugal is writing a paper about us is pretty amazing. We're pretty, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty humbling, right? But, so before we deep dive into your story, um, I, would like, I would like to start with you with our new ritual. So in the end of every episode, we'll ask our guests to pose a questions to our next guest. And that can be anything related to equality, diversity and inclusion that you'd like to hear another expert's take on. In our last episode, we spoke to Anna Lopes, um, who is a talent sourcing specialist at Cognizant in Portugal. And her question for you was, is positive discrimination always the best way to achieve diversity and equality in a company? Or is it not? So, so what do you think about that? Well, positive discrimination translates into affirmative action and, and maybe to quotas. Um, I do think if a company or an organization is lacking in diversity, they need to make an extra effort to diversify. If an organization is blind to bringing people in because of some artificial reason, the color of their skin, the God they worship, the abilities, you know, differing abilities they may have, then you have to overreact to try to attract those people into the business. So in the end, that does become a positive discrimination. If a business does not hire people with differing abilities, people on the autism spectrum, people with Down syndrome, then that organization will have to go out of their way to make sure they do open their doors to hire people with differing abilities. So I, I, I think the answer then becomes yes. You need to use positive discrimination to achieve diversity. I, I agree with you on that. Um, actually, I've been speaking a lot to my flatmates recently about this topic, and we've had long discussions because I think that the, the framework or like the idea of positive discrimination has different perspectives and definitely advantages and disadvantages. Um, but in the end, if you want to take decisions diversified and look at them from different perspective and represent every part of the community within this decision, then you need positive discrimination. Um, and I think this, this is key. Uh, we agree. <laughs> Perfect. So thanks a lot for your take on that. Um, but let's uh, get started then with your own story. Um, so I think most, um, most of our listeners do not know um, John's crazy socks yet. So could you please give uh, our listeners a short introduction 
uh, to John's crazy socks. What is it about um, and what does your mission spreading happiness um, mean? Um, I'm John. Do my poem again, Mark. We are chocolate socks. Our mission spread happiness uh, because uh, because our doing spread happiness. We're showing what the possible. We're, it is. We are an organization that is focused on spreading happiness. But what that really means for us is showing what people with different abilities can do, giving back, and connecting with people at a personal level. Those are the three ways that we're trying to spread happiness. Right. Right. Um, for us, you know, we happen to sell socks, but the socks are just the physical manifestation for the story that we're telling. Right. Do you want to tell them the story? You want to tell them how we got started? So uh, I'll tell you, I'll put in a context. Uh, uh, all the way back in, in the fall, 2016. Right, so it's the fall of 2016. Right. Where I, were you? I, I, I entered in last year's school. I went, I went to the Huntington High School. So in the U.S., yeah. students with a disability can stay in the public school system until they turn 21. John, ah, you know, cool. it's, it's the earlier of when you graduate or you turn 21. So in the fall of 2016, John was entering his last year of school. So like everybody else, right. no different than you, Dina, he was trying to figure out what am I going to do when I'm done with school? <laughs> And and what were you looking at? I like a job program in school. I, I, I don't know if the, um, I'm where I saw, and um, I'm looking in uh, an opportunity. Uh, I, 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 I'm looking at an opportunity I wanted to do. So you you were looking around and a lot of things. I right? did, and uh, I looked into my dad. Oh, but you didn't find anything you liked. But, right. And this is pretty common here. In, in the U.S., we... Uh, people frequently refer to this as the 21-year-old cliff. That you're in the school system up until you're 21, and everything is right there in front of you. But after you turn 21, you've got to leave school, and there aren't a lot of great opportunities out there. Right. And many just wind up going home to their parents' couches. Um, but John here... John, uh, I've come to learn he is a natural uh, entrepreneur. He saw a problem and turned that into an opportunity. Right? He couldn't find anything that he wanted to do, so he would make up his own, right? What did you right. tell me you wanted to do? I said, I want to go interview with my dad. I want to business. He comes and says, Dad, let's go into business together. Um, and I was starting some online businesses at the time, right? Right. Um, that sounded like a great idea. Let's go do something together. Um, so what was your first suggestion? My first suggestion, a fun store. A fun store. Now, I don't know about you, Dina. <laughs> it sounds pretty nice, actually. <laughs> I, I would have no idea store. what you were doing a fun 
What was your next idea? A next idea of food truck. I, I come idea from the movie Chef and John Favreau, the movie about Father Son Finnish. So I imagine that in both uh, Lisbon and, and where you are today in Berlin, that there are uh, food trucks around. They've become very popular here in the U.S. Um, and it sounded like a fun idea. Um, but as we thought about it, we ran into a problem. Uh, we can't cook. Yeah, we can't cook. <laughs> oh, okay. That's that's basically the key of a successful food business. <laughs> uh, but then, right before Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving, which is in November, John had his eureka moment. I did. Um, I want to talk quickly. Raw stock is fun. Colorful, creative, and always living be me. I want to create the my entire life. Right. So John had worn colorful and fun his crazy socks for a long time. And we used to go looking for him. Right. So this seemed like a good idea because if John loved these socks so much, surely there would be other people who did too. Surely we could go and find the tribe. So that's where we got started. It was John's idea, right? Right. So what we did, we went uh, what you could call the lean startup route. We didn't spend a lot of time with the business plan. We didn't do a lot of research. We just said, let's get something up. We have a vision of what this would look like. And we'll see how customers responded. So we set up a website. We got some inventory. Right. right. You already had the name for the business. I did. You wanted to name it after yourself. Huh? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we were bootstrapping, so we didn't have a lot of resources. We had to make do with what we had. So I took out my iPhone, and we made some videos. I, I talked about socks. John talking about his socks. And the only marketing we did really was to set up a Facebook page and share those videos. Uh, and what day did we open, Pat? Uh, we opened a Friday, December 9th, 2016. And we didn't know what to think. We didn't know what to expect. But we were very fortunate. We got 42 orders that first day. And most of them were local. So we live in a town called Huntington, that's on Long Island, which sticks out from New York City. We're about 35 miles from downtown New York. Um, and we lived there. John went to school there. We were in temporary office space there. So it made sense that they were local. And we decided to do something special, right? Right. What was that? I, I, I said, I want to do a home delivery. So we're going to do home deliveries of these. We got red boxes. We put the socks in the boxes. We looked at it and said it needs something else. So what else did we put in? I put in socks, candy, and thinking about John wrote a handwritten thank you note for each customer. We added candy. We started with Hershey's Kisses, put those in. And we drove around. John knocked on doors and delivered his socks. And how did the customers respond? Customers loved it, and they uh, and they uh, took a photo of the sock, and I sent it to uh, social media, 
a football tweet on Instagram, like a word began to spread. Word began to spread, right? So by the end of that month, really two weeks, we had shipped 452 orders, and we knew this was a business we could build, right? Right. Uh, so that's how we got started, Dina. This is this is absolutely amazing. I'm sad that you're not seeing my face right now because I'm I'm just smiling all over my face all the time when when you're telling the story, like seeing all the personal notes within the story, like John, you starting up a business idea um, to basically solve a problem like this entrepreneurial spirit. And in, in also such a young age, because others would just say, go, well, I go back home and wait until until there will be an opportunity. But no, you've you've taken this by by your hands and um, and brought up a great idea. And then specifically the part with um, with signing or like sending a handwritten thank you note. So I, I currently work at a company at a startup in Berlin um, that uh, deals with customer experience. And, and this is this is customer experience. This is basically um, like taking care of your customers, um, building building a relationship with them, showing that you care about them as, as a customer buying your socks and that you you care about them being happy about them. And um, like this is this is an amazing business idea. And this is incredible how quickly it worked out in well, the first month. And much of this is because it's what we believe it's. People ask us frequently now for advice and say, well, what's the most important thing? And, and for us, you you got to have a mission. you got to know what your values are. And you have to actually believe them. Um, so we do anything we can to make the customer happy. And in fact, I'll tell you a story from this morning, Dina. Um, we have a, a gentleman who lives in Switzerland who... A year and a half ago, visited our website, and he contacted us, and he had some questions. We answered those questions. He never placed an order. We never heard from him. Well, it turns out he bought something from somebody, not from us, um, and he got a bill from iParcel, which is a delivery service from UPS. He came back to us about three days ago and said, hey, I bought socks from you back in April of 2019 and I never got them and I want my money back. We looked into this. He never purchased from us. We never received any money. He never placed an order. We explained this to him. He was upset. He said, yes, I did. And, and I got a bill from iParcel. He said, well, you should speak to iParcel. It's not us. And, and our folks went back and forth. And I saw this. And finally, this morning, I asked for his phone number. And I called him. And I said, listen, we just want to make you happy. Tell us, what socks do you want? And we're going to send you those socks. <laughs> yes, we're right. You know, he never ordered from us. But we're not in the business of being right. We're in the business of making people happy. Right. So we want to make this gentleman in Switzerland happy. We're going to send him socks. This is amazing. And this is so important because this shows exactly what you said, living your values. 
if spreading happiness is your value or like your mission in this sense, um, then this is exactly what you did. You acted um, on on your values and your mission, and this is this is great to see. Um, well, I think that's what matters. Like after we tested the business, we decided to go forward. Right. right? We know what our mission is. In the shorthand, it's spreading happiness. But in more fully, it's showing what people with different abilities can do. It's giving back, right? It's not enough to just sell stuff. You got to give back. And it's making a personal connection. So we built this business, excuse me, on four pillars. Inspiration and hope. Give it back. Find pride, can love. And make it personal. So the making it personal to this day there is a handwritten thank you note and candy that goes in every package. Right. Uh, and is John writing all well, of these thank you notes? John, this must be so much We now work. photocopy the, the thank you notes. They vary, and John okay. writes personal notes every day. Um, we look for ways to connect to customers. So, so here's a, a little thing we do. Um, we we run a pick and pack warehouse, a fulfillment shop, right? Orders come in, you have to pick the order, pack it, and send it out. We call our pickers sock wranglers. Well, each of our sock wranglers has a sticker with his or her name on it and their picture on it. And they put that on every packing slip, you know, that they, for every order they fill. So that when the customer gets it, they can see the picture and the name of the person who packed their order. They can know there are real people here. So you mentioned customer experience. When a customer gets a package from us, first, they get great service. We do same-day shipping. So if an order comes in here by 3 o'clock, New York time, it's going out today. When the customer gets that package, on the outside, there's our logo, which happens to be John's smiling face. When they open it, they get the socks they ordered. Yep. They get the thank you note from John. On the other side of that thank you note is the story of John's crazy socks. They get some candy. And they see the picture of the people that pack their order. So they're not just getting socks. They're getting a little dose of happiness. They're getting a little package of joy. Um, and that's what we're trying to deliver to people. And, and this is really something I can see within every step because what you're selling, as you said, it's, it's not socks anymore. It's an experience from ordering until receiving the package, opening it, um, wearing the yes. socks, like there's there's a feeling that um, that that joins uh, and when the entire buy process. From us, they know, and we're 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 always looking for ways to show this. When you buy from us, you are creating jobs for people with different abilities, for oh, people sorry. with Down syndrome, for people with uh, on the autism spectrum, for people with cerebral palsy. So. You're not, it's not just a transaction. If you want a transaction, you could go to Amazon and you can get a transaction. But if you come to us and you buy from us, 
you get that experience. You are connecting to the happiness and you're helping spread it by helping us hire people and helping us give back to the causes and the communities we support. And you, you really found this way, a place, a spot to position yourself as a business that differentiates from the others. Um, but, but let me ask you another question regarding this business model, because um, if I understood correctly, John's Crazy Socks is a That's social enterprise, yes. right? Yeah. Could you, could you explain what that term means and what implication it has on running a business then? As a social enterprise, we have both a social mission and a business mission, and they feed off of each other. We have a why. If you've ever read uh, Simon Sinek and his book, Start With Why, we have a why. We know why we exist, and we know what we're trying to accomplish. And that's very important. We have done the research. There are exactly one gazillion other sock companies. And those sock companies are all running around saying, our socks are cheaper or they're more comfortable or they're thicker than everybody else's socks. They're making claims like that. That's not where we compete. We compete with the story we have, and that helps us stand out. It makes a difference to the consumer because consumers are increasingly asking, before I give you my money, who are you? What are you doing with my money? How do you treat your workers? How do you treat the environment? How engaged are you in the community? And when you have a social enterprise, you answer those, you're able to answer those questions. When it comes to recruiting people, we find that folks increasingly are looking for meaning and purpose in the work they do. Yes, everybody wants to get paid. And it's important to pay people a fair amount. But people want something more. They want some purpose that they can believe in. They want a mission that's bigger than themselves. And that mission can't be, well, we're just going to go make money. Because that's not really a mission. Don't get me wrong. We want to make money, right? We joke. Right. We, John and I, we'd like to live indoors. We got to pay the rent. Right. right? <laughs> But by having that larger purpose, you now have a sustainable business. You have a business and a purpose that's flexible. It's going to build not just customers, but a community that you can connect with. And that community is going to help carry you. So that's what a social enterprise can do. And increasingly, we think that is a more important, that, that, it's, a, that it's a very important business. I, I think you brought up a key point in here. It's not just about doing a bit of CSR, a bit of, a bit of corporate social responsibility, having some, some CSR projects besides the business. It's about putting the purpose in the center, in the heart of actions. And as you said correctly, and I think this is a key point of this, um, 
profits and purpose have to go hand in hand. If you do not make money, it's not just about living indoors. It's also about being able to continue your mission, to continue spreading happiness and making sure these people um, have a place yes. to work, that you can actually pay your employees as well. So you need to make money One way to, to, to be able to continue. But if then, you want to do good, you have to do well. <laughs> this is amazing. This is exactly what, what our professor, um, Nuno Moreira de Cruz, um, of the Center for Responsible Business and Leadership, you know, if, says. Exactly if we're not that. out making money, then, then everybody goes home. Um, but at the same yeah. time, if all you're saying is, oh, we want to maximize the money we make with no other purpose, you're going to be short-lived. You have to take care of, we have to think about and take care of our customers, of our colleagues, and our community. And that's what a social enterprise is about. So, so how do you make sure that you, you give both profits and purpose the same weight? Isn't, aren't there sometimes decisions to be made where one sacrifices the other? There are some challenges. But we start with the mission of we're going to spread happiness. We're going to show what people with different abilities can do. Um, we're going to make sure we give back and we're going to connect with people. So everything we do has to answer that question. So I'll, I'll give you, you know, real life examples. Um, we, we bootstrap this business. It's easy to start a business that way. It's hard to grow a business that way. When we first start, started the business, we could take a few hundred dollars and get the necessary inventory to start. But once you're selling several million dollars worth of products a year, it's now very expensive to get sufficient inventory. So we went out looking for financing or a strategic partner. We had multiple people come in and say, we want to invest or we'd like to buy the company or buy into the business. And here's what they wanted to do. They wanted to shut us down and just pay John and me some money for them to license the brand name and go and sell the product. Because they said they could make it cheaper and distribute it cheaper and they would go and make more money. Well, that may have been the case in the short term, but they would have destroyed the business. So we said no to all of that. And ultimately, we did find a partner who believes in the mission. So here's an example of that. We run our warehouse on Long Island in the suburbs of New York City. We could do it for less money if we relocated to uh, the south of the United States. We went down to Alabama or Mississippi. We could do it for less money if we hired perhaps people down there and paid them less. But that would undermine our mission. That would undermine our purpose. That would put all the people that work here now out of business, you know, out of a job. Um, well, that's not worth it. So, yes, we want to make money, 
And yes, we have to watch how much it costs for us to run our services. But we're not just going to focus on that uh, last penny. We have to see the long run of what's best for our mission and our business. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think um, looking at it on, on a long-term perspective, not only does it uh, fit with our mission and our purpose right now, but will it fit with our mission and purpose in the future as well? Uh, that, that pretty much sums it up. I'll give you another example. When it comes to customer service, you, you've probably heard the line, the customer is always right. Nonsense. Customer can be dead wrong. Look <laughs> like the example I gave you with the gentleman from Switzerland. We're not in the business of being right. We're in the business of making people happy. So we call our customer service people happiness creators, and they know they can spend 200 US dollars on any customer anytime to make them happy. And somebody else could come in and say, that's crazy. You're going to spend money and let me do this analysis. Let me give you the analysis. If you call up and complain, you had a problem, you got, there's a problem with the socks you ordered. And we say, okay, Tina, we're going to ship you new socks and don't worry about anything. We're going to take care of it. I would immediately buy again there because I know you I can trust you. And whatever about it too. You take care of right? it. Right? 100%. So, I do already. So that's good business. <laughs> right? It's not yeah. what we do. 100% you know, Hiring right. people with different abilities. That's not altruism. It's good <laughs> business because they're great workers. Mark, you've, you've mentioned something that you've just said right now, and I've read it on your website as well, and something that really stuck to me. Um, so whenever you speak about um, the people you hire, um, you say people with different abilities. And this is actually the first time I, I hear that. And it stuck to me because I really liked it. And, and I 100% I agree with you. Disability has a, a negative frame, um, a negative tonality. But um, indeed, whenever someone um, has a, a, a disability, um, their abilities are simply different. Someone who can't see can hear very, very well. So um, when it comes to hiring people with different abilities, um, so how, how do, you, do you integrate them? How do you find the right tasks for them to do? So, so they can do, the, it, can do it independently. They succeed in doing so. Um, they enjoy doing it. How, how do you well, do that? How do you decide? First that? of all, we have some different jobs here. We're still not a very large organization. So the, the entry-level job here is the sock wrangler job. And, and this is what we do. First, uh, we give tours here. So we get a lot of schools coming in and social service agencies. Uh, due to COVID, we've moved those online. But people get exposure to see what is the job like here. Um, we also work with social service agencies to bring work groups in so they can bring some of the people they work with in here just to, to get some exposure and to see what work life is like. When we are ready to hire, we let people know, and we've been very fortunate. Um, 
because of that work we do with schools and social service agencies, that we don't have to pay recruiters, that we're able to get people that want to come in and work here. So they come in and they interview, and mainly it's talking to John and me, and we want to make sure that the individual candidate wants to be here, that they're not here because mom and dad want them to be here or because a job coach wants them to be here. We then provide free training, and the training is one of our current sock wranglers will train you, and you learn how to do the job from that person. You learn at your own pace, and when you're ready, you have to take the sock wrangler test, because we don't give jobs to anybody. You have to earn the job. And the sock wrangler test, you have to pick six orders in 30 minutes or less and be accurate. And basically, you have to show us you can do the job. So by that point, if we're not the right place for you, you're going to leave on your own. We don't really have that happen often. But you're going to look and say, I don't know if this is really a job I want to do because you've now had exposure to it. And to get the job, you have to show that you can do it. Um, uh, but you get to do that at your own pace. And that enables us to hire people that we know can do the job and we know want to be here. Once you're in the organization, then we are always looking to see what else can you do? What other skills and abilities do you have that you can contribute? So everybody here appears in videos with us. Everybody contributes to our social media. But we've had people that have moved into office positions. We've had people that have moved into creative positions. They write job descriptions for us. We had one gentleman who took over our office kitchen and it became his responsibility to make sure we were fully stocked and that we ordered supplies because we like to have drinks and snacks around for people. Um, we're a growing organization. So we're always creating new roles. And we first look to our current staff to see what else can you do? How else can we help you develop to serve in those new roles? This is beautiful. Also, like seeing everyone has his own, his or her own speed um, of, of learning. Um, but then nonetheless, everyone is treated fair and equally. Like everyone has to prove that they can do it. And that uh, maybe also even testing if this, this is the right job for you, as you said. Like, do I actually enjoy doing this? Um, if, I, if I manage to do it in a proper way and I enjoy doing it, then... I would say there's nothing that stops me from uh, from yes, continue working. Yes, and what we have created, and we, we took this term from the Special Olympics, we've created a unified workplace. There is no segregation here. If you have a different ability, we don't send you over to one corner. Everybody works together, and everybody benefits from that. You know, we, you would have thought, perhaps, that the benefits mainly accrue to people with differing abilities. But in reality, everybody benefits. Productivity is up. Morale is up. Retention is through the roof. People don't leave. They want to be here. Um, 
and it helps us recruit other people because people want to work in an organization like this. And I think, and this is exactly something I'd like to, to deep dive with you, um, challenges and positive implications, because um, let's, let's be honest, I think many companies um, do not hire people with different abilities because they're afraid. It's, it's sort of unknown. So the easiest way, since many companies get enough applications in, is to take someone where they, they understand and they know their abilities. Um, and then, um, yeah, as I said, I, I think many companies are simply afraid because they do not understand and know um, how, what this means, what implications it has when you hire someone with a different uh, ability. Does it have negative implications on, on productivity maybe? Um, or on profits. So um, to, to phrase it in a question towards you, what do you think are the challenges that you faced um, of having such a diverse team and having, um, having hired so many people with different abilities? Maybe challenges that other people or businesses can relate well, to? Well, we go at it in a different way. We don't see it as being a very different issue. Um, We, we pay attention to our employees. Um, we, we don't, we make an effort to bring other businesses in here to show them how easy it is. I've sat on panels with Fortune 500 companies and listened to them tell me or tell the audience how they've sunk all these resources into preparing themselves to hire somebody with a disability. And they work with all these people and they put all this money in and they've hired exactly one summer intern. And I look and say, we have no government support. We have no special programs. We have no special training. We just open our doors and hire people that can do the work and we're responsive to our work, to our work population. And so today we have 23 employees and 19 of them have a different ability. It's much easier than people think. And, and I think you hit it on the head when you said that people are afraid, but they're false fears. Um, it's much easier Than, uh, you, than you might think. How, how would you recommend someone to get started? So let's say a, a company or an, an HR organization within a company um, opens up, listens to this podcast episode and actually says they're right. John, John and Mark are right and we should give people equal chances. But I, how, I how do you, they I think it's get, a couple get started? One, so, you have to look at the job and ask, What does somebody really need to do to do this job? Um, I'll give you two historical examples in, in the United States. The first concerned the New York City Fire Department. They were only hiring men. And the attitude was only a man could do this job. And there were some women that said, wait a second, I would like to be a firefighter and I can do the job too. And the fire department said, okay, but you have to pass our entrance exam, part of which was a physical test. And the women could not pass that test. 
But the courts looked at it and said, wait a second, you're testing people to do things that have nothing to do with the job. And when they changed the test to only test on, on matters or abilities that dealt with the job, women passed the test and have now become important contributors to the New York City Fire Department. And the lesson there is look at the job and don't put in, don't look for things that don't matter on your job. A, a more <clears throat> kind of striking example concerns that particular American institution of baseball, the American pastime. And up until 1947, only white players could play baseball. And in 1947, a team called the Brooklyn Dodgers integrated, and they added Jackie Robinson to their team. And this was simple. Up until then, teams were saying, we want the best players as long as they were white players. And the Brooklyn Dodgers said, we want the best players, period. And here's what happened. The first teams to integrate were Brooklyn, and then another team from New York, and a team from Cleveland. They became the best teams in baseball because they had the best players. You could think about that as they had the best employees because they cast their net wide enough and they only focused on the performance, not attributes that didn't matter. The teams that integrated first succeeded first because that was good business. So I use those two examples to help drive what we do. And when we're looking to fill a position, we are focused on what can you do? How can you contribute? Not what can't you do? Does that make sense? Absolutely, 100%. And I think the, the two examples you gave um, pretty much vis visualize as well um, what, what you mean with this. So um, I would say since we're coming, we're slowly coming to the end of the episode, let's wrap it up and, um, and summarize some key takeaways. And I'm going to try to summarize it by myself. Um, so to, to share with you what I've taken with me from this episode. Um, but um, John and Mark, please feel free to add upon it um, if you feel there's something missing. But I would say what I've learned from you today is, um, first of all, think about your why. So which social mission is the right one to incorporate within your business mission? Um, I think this is something you, you have to think about. Um, so there's not one general social mission that fits all businesses. You need to find the right mission um, and then incorporate it in, within your, your strategy and base all actions on that. Then secondly, I would say, um, rethink what abilities are really needed to fill positions. So, so what, what I would say strengths and competencies and stuff like that are really crucial and needed to be able to do a good job within this position. And what are things we might use as a nice to have maybe, so to fill up this, this ideal uh, profile of an employee. 
And then um, lastly, I would say um, be open-minded. So don't, don't lead yourself or narrow yourself because of fears that you've not even faced yet. So you don't, you don't, you're afraid of something that you haven't um, encountered yet. So be open-minded, um, get to know different people, start to talk to them, understand them, um, to figure out if, if they can contribute to your business and your mission, especially. Yes, what, what do be, you need to say? Um, be open-minded because that? you don't succeed by giving in to your fears and protecting what you have. We succeed by being open to change and seeing how we have to evolve. Um, and one of, here's a, a benefit. When you are serving a larger purpose, that opens up more possibilities. So if all we would do, if we were just a sock company and all we could do was think about selling socks, and then COVID-19 comes along, that would knock us down. And it's been hard to sell socks during the pandemic. But because we're more than that, because we have a larger mission and purpose, it set us up to, to adapt and to move our business forward. And we've done that, you know, so there are some tangible ways we did that. We used to give tours of our facility where well, we move those online. And when we move those online, now we've opened up. So we've had people from around the world connect with us. Um, we've had classes from across the United States connect with us. We've had a reach that we couldn't have before. So by adapting to new circumstances, it opened up new possibilities. We have a mission to spread happiness. Yes, we do that with socks. But every Tuesday afternoon, what do you lead, John? I'm going to a dance party at 3 o'clock. John hosts an online dance party. We'll get as many as 100 that. people dancing. I loved it. It's wonderful. We've created, <laughs> we do a Facebook live show two nights a week called the Spreading Happiness Show. Just to share some joy and connect with our community. Uh, we've added masks. We now sell masks and a hand sanitizer. Um, all of these are adaptations we could make to better serve our customers and to continue our mission of spreading happiness. So when you have that larger purpose, it actually makes you more sustainable and gives you more flexibility, particularly in hard times. Since, since it shapes your perspective on things as well. You don't see things as problems. You see them as challenges and find opportunities out of them. And I think that's is, what it means to be an amazing. entrepreneur. Like, this is really inspiring. <laughs> so um, I, I would say, first of all, thank you so much, you two. Like, you've definitely inspired me. And I'm, I'm uh, super excited to hear then the feedback of our listeners about this episode, because I'm pretty sure... Um, that yeah, that you you will be you have and you will be inspire many others here as well. Um, let's let's end the episode the way we've started with our ritual. So as you've replied to Anna's question in the beginning of our episode, you've got the chance to ask a question to our next guest now. 
So this this next guest is still top, uh, top secret. Um, so you don't know who you'll ask it for. But um, if you have anything in mind, um, anything related to equality, diversity and inclusion that you'd like to hear another expert's take on, um, I'll leave the well, floor to you. Well, I have what a more like general question. What is it about your business that you would like to be able to gather your grandchildren around and say, I want you to know this was the thing we did that mattered the most? This is an excellent question. And this is a question not only our next guest, but simply everyone can ask themselves. So um, again, massive thank you to you too. Um, so this is, this is basically the end of the episode. Um, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for the smooth process within our collaboration, although we're located on different continents and have pretty different time zones. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing your important story with us and also for working every day on, on making the world a better and more inclusive place. So I will surely follow your journey, Mark and John, and, and I'm so glad well, that I had the opportunity. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for letting us share our story and, and help advance our mission of showing what people can do. Right. And, John, yeah. if people want to get great socks, where can they go? At shockersocks.com. Johnscrazysocks.com, right? Because when you support us, you let us hire people with different abilities. You help us give back. You help us move forward. This is perfect. We will definitely put that link in uh, in the Spotify description as well. So you can easily click on it and check that out. So thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you're enjoying our content. We love to hear your feedback. So what would you like us to add to change or to continue doing as we do it already? If you have any specific topics or questions in mind you'd like to know more about, we're happy to include this in the next episodes. You'll find us under the name Equality in Business on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Any input is highly appreciated, so feel free to shoot us a message. You will hear from us um, in our next episode on the 23rd of October, so two weeks from now. Until, until then, stay healthy and safe. <laughs>